This is episode 78 of the Kindred Mom podcast. I'm your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hey there, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Kindred Mom podcast. I am so glad you're here and hope that this episode encourages your heart as you are mothering your children, whatever stage of motherhood you may be in. Today's conversation is about legacy beginning in the little years and the small investments we make in our kids' lives from their earliest ages that go on to serve them for years and decades afterwards. My two really close friends in real life who I have journeyed with for over for 20 years, Song Harry and Jenny Van Winkle are here to talk with me about this topic. And I myself, just as I was editing this episode, was reminded again how important, how holy this job is that we have to invest in the lives of our children. And so I hope that you take away a lot of great things from this episode. I wanted to also invite you to come over to the Kindred Mom blog and sign up for our email newsletter. We've been sending that about once a week and it is short to the point, um, has some helpful links to the things that you can find on Kindred Mom that we've been sharing on the blog and podcast, as well as a few other curated helpful links we think will serve you as you check them out so we'd love to have you over there and if you haven't been over to instagram recently we also have prayers for moms running all month long and hope that you'll check them out thanks so much for listening Today I have Jenny Van Winkle and Song Harry with me as we launch into a conversation about just how the legacy of our lives really begins in the little years with our kids. So ladies, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, so happy to be here, Em. Yeah, Song, it's really nice to hear your voice. It's been a while. I'm so happy and honored to be back with Kindred Mom. You ladies are the best. Mm, Well, thanks for being here. We're so excited to have you and I just could not think of two people who I would rather have on this show because I have journeyed with you guys for many years. And I think well before we were married and had children, we were having adventures together. And so it's just so poetic to me to be at this stage of life, sharing in our motherhood adventures as well. And so I just would love to begin by talking about what we love about early childhood with our kids. Oh gosh, what I love about it. I, I love just the new, everything to them is new and it's kind of a bittersweet thing, right? When things are so like, yeah, duh to, to us adults and kids are like, I've never done this before ever at all. And there's like novelty in everything. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting. It's, it, it can be frustrating when they're like, I want to do a physics test and see what will sink and float in the toilet. <laughs> you know, like all these, ex, all these experiments that really it, all it is, is experiments for them. And I think that that being able to take a deep breath and notice that everything that they are mm. that they are doing is their first time ever doing it or that they're trying to learn it i guess it takes the it takes the sting out of things that are frustrating so yeah, yeah. 100% oh man i just i think it's amazing how children, you can, it's like, you can see the gears working in their heads. Like everything that's happening on the inside of them is evident from their face and their, their body language. And you can just, they're just so uh, transparent, you know, they're so honest, you know, they can't, they can't lie. I mean, even when they're trying to lie at three years old, like my brother said one time, we always laugh when he was three years old. He's like, mommy, don't see the scissors behind my back, you know, like you can't lie, you know, (laughs) and it's just so beautiful, you know, just how transparent and just honest they are. And it's just so, it's such a blessing to just watch that because as adults, we just learn to cloak our feelings, our true ideas, our true identity. And we just kind of learn to put on masks and kids are just totally unmasked and it's just precious, you know, like, I just love that. It's so fun. And I just, I think my favorite is when they're developing their language, the grammar and just the, the words and, you know, saying bad words when they're not, when they don't even know what they're saying. <laughs> it's so funny, all of it. It's just, yeah. 
oh my goodness, it's precious and so fun and there's no other time like it. And it's just really fun. It's, I think we as moms get really, um, we get really weighed down by the, just the exhaustion and the continual energy output of these tiny humans. Yeah. But if we just can step back for a second and be like, this is hilarious. Like my life is awesome. You know, it just mm-hmm. really is awesome, but it's sometimes hard to see it when yeah. you're going on three hours of sleep or you have puking kids or whatever it would be or the, the bickering or yeah. Uh, yes. It's so fun. Love it. Yeah. There's so many things that I love about the early childhood season with kids. And I think for me, it has been the discoveries I have made seeing the world through their eyes and their experience and the wonder they have and the curiosity And I have learned so much about God's heart for me as I process my own feelings for my children and the way that I love them. And um, I guess this is really just a topic for me that is personal because I, I have two people who have influenced my perspective about this time of life. One is my dad who Years and years ago, he had made, it was kind of like an offhand comment just about how these were the best years of his life. Mm. Like these early years when I was Mm. from little tiny to, I mean, he moved out of our house when I was 14. So there's a 14 year stretch there that he sees as the most important years of his life Mm. and Mm. the most joy filled, the most magical. Mm. And that's beautiful. um, And I just feel like knowing that and knowing, you know, from his almost 60 years of experience that I didn't want to miss what was magical here. Cause I've been in the weeds. I've been up to my ears and kissed for quite some time. And it's very easy to lose sight of what is valuable about this time, what is important in this time. And the other person who influenced me a lot is actually Song's mom. (laughs) And uh, when I first met your family, it was a time of my life that I really had no concept of what a whole happy family could look like. And so spending Mm -hmm. time at your house when I was in college, I was very overwhelmed by the amount of love that I saw among your siblings, um, by how much joy there was in your family. And just, Mm -hmm. it was like, there were deep things that were important, but a lot of the things that spoke to me the most were just the everyday, there is a spirit of joy here. There is um, Mm -hmm. value for like each individual person and there were things that I still think about that your mom told me at that time. I remember Anjali was about four years old when we met each other and she's grown now, <laughs> which is very weird <laughs> for me. Cause I'm like, wait a second. I am really, I'm really well into my adult years. This is a strange experience. <laughs> I, I hate those reminders. <laughs> <laughs> can we just, can we just pause for a second and just ponder how 15 years ago, yeah. There was just the three of us and now there's us plus 15 children. Yeah. Between the three of us. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh my word. That's so many. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just remember having a quick conversation in the kitchen with her about Anjali, who was four years old at the time. And Anjali wanted to be a singing missionary to Alabama, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> and I, I had said something. I can't remember what I said to your mom exactly, but um, I, I, I was the one that brought it up. And she just said, you know, little ones, they just want to be loved. And just the phrasing, like, I have returned to that phrase. Like, if I'm not sure what to do mm-hmm. in this moment, my child just wants to be loved. So how can I do that? It's been such a simple mm-hmm. Wow. answer yeah. to some of the most complicated, you know, challenges that I have come up against. And so those are two things that I have in mind is just that these are the magical years and also they just want to be loved. And so as we think about mm. legacy is such a big word. That's what we titled this episode. Legacy begins in the little years. And um, I'd love to talk a little bit about legacy. I know that both of you guys have grandparents that have had a huge impact on your life. And when you think about how they have lived with the integrity and the 
just the hard work and the joyful spirit and the sense of adventure and those things. I'd love to just have you talk a little bit about what legacy means to you, having experienced it from those who have come before you. And then we'll talk also about passing that on to our kids. I think for me, as I've been pondering legacy, I do think about my family of origin and and their families of origin. And it's, that's just where I go with, with that word. Mm -hmm. And I think about my grandparents, as you were talking about Emily, and I, if I had to distill it down, I would just, I would just say that they, that they chose people more than they chose a profession or that they chose, uh, Mm -hmm. they just chose their people and they lived very simple lives that were not successful by the world standards, I'd say, um, but mm. incredibly impactful on yeah. my life because they just they just poured into me. And I think if if I do nothing else, I want my kids to say that I did that, you know, that I poured into them and that I cared, I cared enough to stop my own selfish pursuits mm-hmm. or something like that to um to really see them and notice them. And I've, I've been thinking about that with, with one of my sons who he, he has a brain full of ideas and he can do nothing sometimes, but just pace and talk. And he's just pacing and talking. (laughs) And, and if you just take a step back and watch, and he's going from here to there, from here to there, and he's just, he's just like reciting and getting out what's in his head. And there's so many times that when he's doing that, it, I feel like there's no way I can keep up with you because you're in your world and I'm over here and I'm probably doing something else that's totally unrelated. When when he gets that way, sometimes I just want to just go, uh-huh, and give him a pat answer and really the mom answer that is like, I'm not really listening to to you. I'm not paying attention, but I'm trying to like pass it off as like I'm really paying attention. And I just, I just stopped myself once and just put my eyes on him and listened to what he was saying. Yeah. And so then I was, you know, sort of taken into the things that he was saying. And we just walk around our backyard sometimes and I do it for exercise. And I'm just this lady that laps her backyard <laughs> and mm. my, my son walks with me and he holds my hand and he's just talking and talking and talking and talking. And at the end of that, he like leaves and goes and plays. And then he comes back and gives me the biggest hug and says, I love you, mom. And it's so like, sweet. not, it's not that I was listening to him. He's not saying thanks for listening to me, but he is in, in the way saying, thanks for listening to me. Thanks for stopping and just engaging on my level. Mm-hmm. And I think as people, we need that. And little people need that a lot. And I think that sometimes that can seem annoying, but it's the most incredible thing to give that gift of, of really listening and really seeing someone. So good. I love that, Jenny. That's so, so good. Yeah. When I think about legacy, I'm, I just, first of all, feel incredibly privileged to come from a long line of maternal love. One of my only special memories that I have of my great grandmother, I was about eight years old. I was at her house and you know, she went to bed super early, like eight o'clock and I passed by her room and she was laying flat in bed and she was raising up her like gnarled, you know, arthritic fingers just straight up into the air and praying for each one of us by name. Mm. And just, pr- and she did that every night. And, you know, I'm just like, man, you know, and she was kind of, you know, she didn't come to any kind of relationship with God until in her 50s or 60s. Um, she was an alcoholic and my grandma whisked her off to rehab and, you know, she just didn't uh, have that as a big part of her life. And and then you have my grandmother who didn't start walking in that till her 30s. Even so, even though they weren't present the way I want to be with my little children, uh, they, they didn't have that heritage in there. You know, my mom was kind of the first to really uh, start out strong with young children and just really be in, invest in that. But I still think like, wow, God's redemptive power uh, to pass on such strong 
love and heritage, even in the later years from my great grandmother, 50s, 60s, and my grandmother in her 30s, you know, about my age. And and then in my mom, who was just very intentional from, you know, right out of the gate with us. And I just think, you know, I don't think that my grandma or, and sometimes maybe even my mom, and when we were that young, that they were thinking, I'm not, my, my dealing with my toddler right now who's having a tantrum is actually, I'm, I'm not just dealing with this, this toddler. I'm dealing with this, pers- this person who's going to lead the next generation, who's going to have children of their own and grandchildren. I mean, if we just kind of pause a minute, it's just kind of powerful and profound that mm-hmm. we can get so wrapped up in just the tiny uh, activities of each day and just like, okay, if I get the laundry done, then it's a win, you know, or mm-hmm. if I can just get through breakfast and get things cleaned up, you know, we, we're so, we can't see past the nose in front of our face most days because that it just the season of life demands it. But every now and then I think it's just healthy and powerful to just be like, wow, this is not just a two-year-old. This is an eternal soul who is going to have their own children and an impact untold thousands of people. And, and I get to invest in this life. I get to have a, a part to play in shaping this dynamic human being made in the image of God that's going to have like such a powerful and profound um, impact on the world. And, and the only reason I, I mean, I just feel so privileged even to get to say that because the only reason I can say that to you now is because of the witness that I have with my great grandmother, my grandmother, my mom, you know, it's like, wow, I really doubt that my grandmother, when she was raising my mom was thinking about me and was thinking about my kids, but her, she impacted them even when she was raising them back then. And mm-hmm. just the maternal love and the care and the nurture mm-hmm. that was there. Cause even before they met the Lord, my grandmother and my great grandmother were very nurturing, just like, um, they just so treasured their, their brood, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'm just so grateful for that heritage. And I just, it just is sobering and it should be sobering. It's a major deal. And, what we're doing with our little ones isn't just about 18 years. It's not just about, you know, this brief little window of time. It's a, it's about the generations to come and it's beautiful. Yeah. I just think that the small things are the big things, mm-hmm. the daily things that we are Absolutely. doing to care for our kids and to communicate our love for them and to fill their needs and to teach them what is good and, what is beautiful and what is worthwhile. Yeah. Those are things that you don't just learn at preschool. Like there are awesome oh, preschools. Yeah. <laughs> there are awesome preschools. You can be in preschool and you can learn certain things there, but there are some things that I think as mothers that we are uniquely equipped to impart to our children if we see yeah. it and and not as a a manner of um discouragement to moms who haven't necessarily embraced that or maybe struggle to know what do I do to invest these things in my child's life. I just think that there's a lot of power in recognizing the purpose there, that it's it's not just mindless, menial mm-hmm. housework, you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's not like I give thanks for every item of clothing I am moving from the washer into the dryer. I do not do that. <laughs> But I do think that it's really easy to think that these are lesser things, that these are things that are beneath us. And I don't think they are. I think the connection and the um, investment that we make in our kids in the early years can make a huge difference in their lives. I don't know if it was your mom song (laughs) who said this to me, but somebody said sometime um, just about in the context of mothering that being proactive on the early end of things about really guiding and shaping a child's perspective about the world and their understanding of their own choices and um, like helping them understand those things early helps. I can't remember even the words. I have something kind of floating around in my mind that I'm having a hard time articulating Except to say that I think that when you're trying to steer a child 
it's a lot easier to do that at two, three, four, five than it is if you have not spent any time trying to do that. And then you try to do that at 12, 13, 14, 15. Mm. And so I would love to know what you ladies do or what you think about or how you approach the concept of investing in your child's character development in their early years. What are the top things that come to mind as important for you? Well, I have a a couple thoughts, um, especially what you were saying, Jenny, about just how you were just walking to back and forth pacing with your son. I just, that picture, I just think illustrates so well, just relationship. Um, because I think there's thinking about behavior, thinking about like teaching, training, uh, discipline, things that are so important to uh, cultivate in our kids when they're young. But equally as important is relationship and just strengthening those ties with your children while they're young. Because like your little guy talking and talking and talking. If if you were just like, oh yeah, 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 you know, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And I can totally get like that sometimes. But you know, there's going to come a day when he quits coming Mm -hmm. to you to talk if he's getting that kind of response. At some point, if you want them to talk to you when they're, you know, adolescents, 14-year-old boys, they need to have a history and a heritage of a mom that listens and is available to them and cherishes their words from the time they were four, five, six. And I think we all want teenagers that communicate. That is so mm-hmm. one, what we want. But sometimes I think we can forget the only way you get a teenager that communicates with his mom is because a mom has been nurturing the relationship and keeping the ties strong with their children starting from very, very young. And so that to me is something I, it sobers me because I can be a real preoccupied mom. Mm. Um, If I'm preoccupied with something else, it's really hard for me to get engaged. Some some women I think are awesome multitaskers. I just don't feel like I'm one of those people. I'm like, (laughs) on this track or I'm on this track. And, mm-hmm. and I just, the mothering track needs to be the, the preeminent track for me. And um, so it's always something that I'm thinking about, like, okay, who, which child am I feeling a little bit disconnected with? Is there something I can do to strengthen that bond and that relationship? Is there, is there something I can, is, is there a way that I've hurt him or made him feel dismissed? Or thinking strategically about your communication while they're little, especially as they're, I mean, I've got some big boys now um, that are uh, 12 and 13 and, you know, that's what I want. I want to have strong relationships with them all through the teen years. But the other thing that I was thinking about was just the power of of teaching obedience when they're little. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just something it's like, you know, whenever somebody has figured that one out, let me know because it's, it's an ongoing thing, right? To teach Mm -hmm. children to obey. It's not just a one and done kind of thing, but, but it is so important because I just feel like we're raising these children now to grow up and have a job, be able to say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I'll get that done to follow through, to know that their word is their bond, to know that there are boundaries for things, you know, and like Emily was saying, that's absolutely very difficult to teach if you've waited until 11 or 12 Mm -hmm. Uh, to require that of them. Like they need to know, and they're so much happier and so much more, they're so much more secure knowing where those boundaries are and the the follow through and the natural consequences of the, of actions and learning to listen to the parent's voice and to follow it from a young age that, that it actually really makes them feel much more secure as children. And but it's, it's a hard job. It's a very, very hard job. But it, it is much easier doing that two, three, and four years old than it is at 11, 12, 13, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I think what you were saying, Song, about discipline and and that kind of thing just got me thinking about, you know, when there is a, when there is a wrong done to not let it fall on deaf ears, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, just be listening. And, and when there is something that isn't right, speak up. You know, I think that a lot of times I, myself included when, when there's like squabbles and people are being disrespectful or something like that. Sometimes it's just like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with this. You know, like I just, Mm -hmm. I want to like 
ignore it so that I can get through my day, <laughs> you know, just like yes. we were talking about just trying to get through the day and all those days, just getting through those days end up becoming years and decades. And like, it just compounds. And if we choose, I've realized that if I just choose to engage, then I'm mm-hmm. making, I'm making a positive choice, even if it's like, even if it's just saying my mom is listening, my mom is, mm-hmm. my mom cares. My mom isn't ignoring me and she, I'm engaging. Like I'm, I'm, yes. I'm actively participating in life and, and in the parenting of my children. And another thing that I feel like we can get so worried about this whole thing of passing on legacy that's meaningful and raising people who are, you know, good people. <laughs> we, we like, that's a tall order to put on one person's shoulder, two people's shoulders, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's a huge thing. And I feel like so many times I've been like, somebody else would probably do a much better job at this than I am doing <laughs> right now. But the whole idea that I am my children's parent mm-hmm. for a reason and that I, I am equipped to do this job mm-hmm. as much as I feel like I don't have what I need to do this job. I do have what it takes because I do love my children. And I think mm-hmm. that's the seed that, that starts everything is, do you love your children? Do you love them enough to say something hard in order to reap something that is more beneficial later down the line? Then you mm-hmm. have to be the person that's strong enough to, to say the hard things and to, to do the hard things and the uncomfortable things. And I love that, Jenny. I think that's so good because you are your best, your children's best parent because you are the one that loves them more than anyone else. No one else loves your kids like you do. And so therefore no one else is qualified. No one else would put, would lay down their life for your child the way that you will. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's just a beautiful truth for each one of our kids to remember. And if love is the motivation, if love is what is, what qualifies us, I think it's good to just think, what, what is love? What is, what is it to love my child right now? And I think sometimes we as parents, uh, we need to recognize that even if it seems like the most loving thing to do, constantly just let him have what he wants, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I just don't want, I just, I don't want to, I don't, I just don't want him to be upset or I don't want him to be disappointed or I don't want him to not like me or, and that's, that's actually not, we have to think, wait, what, what is love? Is If love is putting my child's best interest and well-being above my own, then a lot of times that looks like doing the hard thing and getting mm-hmm. up and dealing with the situation and, and enacting consequences. And, and a lot of times it means just putting down your phone and snuggling and, you know, mm-hmm. just yeah. things like that. You know, what is, what is love in this situation? Because love is what makes me my kid's best parent. And so there's two things that you guys have mentioned that I want to circle back to one, Jenny, you mentioned um, being proactive or taking an active role in certain aspects of your child's development. And I just had to like zoom out for just a second (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I feel like one of the main themes that I have been thinking on for the last year or so since I started my counseling season with my counselor Uh, We've talked about the importance of activity versus passivity, that Mm. in most cases, many problems are a result of a passive posture uh, of whatever it might be. It could be your finances. It could be your your health, uh, your health, anything. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, And passivity does not lead to what we're after. Like it always requires action. It always is a intentional proactive pursuit. And so as we're talking about legacy, just to me is important to note that legacy doesn't just happen by itself. It's not like somebody somewhere tossed out some seeds and, oh, I hope a legacy comes from that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it is something that is tended and cultivated and, you know, watered and nourished. And um, Mm -hmm. so I, I just wanted to say that. And then Song, you were just talking about love. So there's this other idea I have been thinking about for a while. Uh, It's again, a little bit in the abstract realm. So I'm sorry, (laughs) we might have to translate it. But 
I've been thinking about this concept that I call freedom within a boundary because mm. I don't think that true freedom exists without having boundaries there. And, you know, an example might be if I can do anything that I want and there are no boundaries, then who's to say that I'm going to choose what is healthful or fruitful or profitable or good? If I can do anything that I want, then man, I just, I want to eat French fries all day, every day, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, whereas like freedom within a boundary just says, okay, like within these parameters, I'm going to give my child the freedom to decide what are we going to do for fun this afternoon? Like there's your two or three choices. And so the opportunity that they have to exercise their own decision-making skills, their autonomy, exercise their critical thinking skills, you know, mm -hmm. that, that is a gift to a child to be able to do that. Cause some, I, I have met people who in their twenties, thirties, forties, don't know how to make a decision, which I personally think is largely because they were never allowed to make any decisions when they were young. And mm -hmm. I've seen this, like mm -hmm. my husband did this way better than me for a long time until I was on to him. And I was like, you have got something figured out here. He would constantly ask the kids, what would you like for dessert? Or what would you like for, you know, and I'm like, I will just serve what they get, <laughs> you know, like I will yeah. just decide all the things because that's easier for me and blah, blah, blah. And all the time he would say like, do you like these shoes or do you like those shoes? And I am now mm -hmm. on his team because I think there was a mm -hmm. lot of wisdom there from the beginning mm -hmm. where it's like, I was going for convenience and I just need this to work for me, which I still will make convenience choices if I need to, because hello, seven children. <laughs> um, but I just think that I set the boundary and they, within that boundary, can make their own decisions. And, you know, as they grow in their understanding and their responsibility and their respect and their, the way that they see the world and, and recognize the real limitations they will run into in their adult lives, you know, they don't know that yet, but I can see as they are making a calculated choice to I would like to share my spoils with my sibling and that brings about a closer relationship as opposed to this is mine and you can't have any, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, I just, I'm just curious what you guys think about the freedom within a boundary idea. I think that it makes sense. I mean, that's kind of life too. I, yeah. When you're talking about eating French fries every day, if all day, if you want to, yeah. I was like, I did that, but not yeah. with French fries. You know, it was like, yeah. I, the first, first place I lived by myself on my own mm -hmm. with you, Emily, <laughs> <laughs> outside my parents' house, I suppose I'd say. Yeah. I, there was one night that I ate York peppermint patties for dinner <laughs> <laughs> just because they were there and I bought them and yeah. I could do that. I could make that choice. Yeah. And I, I, think about that. I'm like kind of appalled that I made that choice because I could, it yeah. was a terrible choice. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, there are, there are consequences. So I suppose, I suppose natural consequences are the boundaries that, that I think if you were to say, I have freedom, I have total freedom mm -hmm. and you have natural consequences, you have total freedom and natural consequences. And I think that I think that you kind of have to work up to that. Like if you're going to turn someone loose, then yeah, you have to kind of have like what you're describing, set up a small pen for them to exercise their independence within and to choose within that place. And as they get older, that pen gets larger and larger. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the, the fences are down and then mm -hmm. they, they get to yeah. choose how to behave based on, based on what they've been taught. And yes. I think that, I think that you, you hit the nail on the head with, with the whole, how are they supposed to learn to make a decision if they've never been given a chance to do it before? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's sort of a disservice to think that someone who's never had an opportunity to exercise choice in that way Mm -hmm. is going to mm -hmm. be thrown into the real world and have the full expectation to be able to make good choices. Yeah. Having never mm -hmm. had practice, you know? So right. like, no, I agree. And that, that 
analogy you just used, I've heard used in a different way uh, as a funnel, like the the early years is, you know, is the very tiny end of the funnel. And then you give them a little bit more, you know, they're hit the toddler, you know, three-year-old stage where they understand the word no, and they use that word all the time. And, <laughs> you know, you give them a little bit more uh, leeway to make, be able to make uh, decisions. And then you get into the adolescent years where mm-hmm. you move to be more of a coach type of a person, you know, you might yeah. have some extraneous boundaries about like curfew or, uh, you know, what you are, what is and isn't allowed in this house. But for the most part, they're largely making their own decisions. And, um, you know, I just think that's good parenting. And, but the tricky part is knowing which phase you're in. And, you know, sometimes I think there's, there's times when we've, we call it in our house, um, we've been giving our kids too much freedom within Mm -hmm. a boundary Mm -hmm. and it's time for baby boot camp. And we do (laughs) a three day thing where we're a little like, all right, everybody, yeah, we're going to reestablish who's in charge here. We're going to reestablish what the consequences are and there's not going to be budging. And, uh, you know, we, it, then it, after, you know, it goes great. Everybody's like, yes, ma'am. You know, they just they <laughs> get a little of the little like, whoa, you know, I better be careful kind of thing. And then things go smooth sailing for a while and it just deteriorates, deteriorates. And so six months later, oh, we need to do this again. And there's just no, I don't think there's any knowing when you have transgressed mm-hmm. that boundary until you have. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Okay. Time for more boundaries, uh, less freedom, or, you know, time for with certain kids like, wow, I'm really restricting them in an area that they need responsibility. They need the freedom Mm -hmm. of being able to fail. They need to know that we respect them enough to hand something over and to watch them do or not do it and, Mm -hmm. and make decisions as to how well that happens. And so, yeah, I think freedom within a boundary is beautiful, a beautiful phrase and really important. It's just, it changes. The boundaries yeah. changed in every phase of life and um, knowing which boundary you're in, you know, yeah. and sometimes you think, wow, this 15 year old should be able to handle this, but obviously they can't right now. So we have to tighten it in a little bit. And yeah. And I think to just piggyback off a little bit of what you're saying that, you know, reestablishing or having to do a boot camp situation, which we have done in our own ways. Usually it involves screen time and we'll just do some screen free mm-hmm. days and say, okay, well now we're going to zero out that yeah. entitlement or expectation that they are dragging into the conversation. Like he got to yeah. play for, you know, three more minutes than I did or whatever. And I'm like, Oh really? <laughs> we are going to go there. So we'll just back <laughs> up a little bit. And to me, it is, it's really not about being punitive. And I think there's a really Mm -hmm. big difference between being punitive and um, being disciplined or reestablishing consequences, as you said, which is really about just making clear, these are the values that we hold and these are the expectations that I'm setting. And I am here to help you rise to those, not Mm -hmm. I am going to like, squash you because you're not doing it the way I want you to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and two, like I've thought about this a lot of different times. I mean, I've got seven little experiments going over here. <laughs> um, and I really did used to think that my kids were like really out to defy me. And I think when they get older, they can get to that point. But I think in the younger years, a lot of times they're just trying to figure out where are the boundaries? Who is Mm -hmm. in charge? And what are we doing Mm -hmm. here? And um, it's less about defiance and more about um, they just really have these questions. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like somewhere after my first couple and I got through the toddler years relatively unscathed, I, I just see how they need leadership more than they need punishment. Yeah. And There are times to tackle difficult things, but I think more often it's, it's, they don't know how to navigate what it is that's in front of them in a wise way, unless we show them. And I think so much of beginning our legacy in the little years with our kids is 
knowing how we can plant seeds in their lives that, you know, when a seed is planted, it's a small thing. It is not anything of consequence. It's not anything that seems like it's going to be that important until it starts growing and it's blooming and it's producing something. Mm -hmm. And so I do think our attentiveness, our nurturing, our, you know, even our, our simple meals, (laughs) the things that are building their lives in very practical, real ways, um, I just think are much more important than we think. I just think that as we continue watching our kids grow, I'm now at the point where I have one that is going to be turning 14 in a couple months. And Mm -hmm. I see how like the cement is set. She is who she is. And I'm proud of her. I love her for exactly who she is. It's not at all a disappointment or, but it's also like, okay, am I going to spend my time trying to change who she is as a person? Or am I going to help her have a launching place? Like where she, Mm -hmm. she knows where her feet are. She knows what her foundation is. She has her own sense of what's, important in life. And I mean, I I hope Mm -hmm. that those things are, are really well established in her life, even if she doesn't know how to change a tire or how to like, I mean, dad can do that job. (laughs) But um, some of the the things that I think moms worry about, I, I think are a little less important than them having a sense of them being loved for who they are. And, um, having the seeds, I would just say the fruit of the spirit, all of those love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, Um, Mm self-control. I think self-control, that's when we come back to a lot. And I will just say in a sweet voice, I think it's time to practice self-control right now. And I think they're like, mom, not cool. (laughs) I'm like, but it's very important. (laughs) So anyway. So good. I I like what you said about the wet cement because she is. It's hardening and there's not a whole lot that you can do. But what can you do with cement once it's been poured? You know, you can build a foundation. It's the foundation. You can mm-hmm. build on it now, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, the, the basic core of her personality and her bent and her uh, temperament is, is very much not going to be changed. But now you can help her to shape you know, the building that is going on top of that and, yeah. and how you ask her, you know, what do you want? What are your, what are your thoughts? What do you, how can I help you on that journey? And yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, absolutely. I keep coming back to how big of a task this is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, like, it's just yeah. huge. It's a monumental and it just mm-hmm. feels like you can, one wrong move and the whole foundation is going to crumble and all this stuff. And I just think I just want to encourage all of us who are like me and freaking out about this whole thing, you know, (laughs) freaking out, you guys freaking out because it is, it's just no joke. I mean, we're talking about raising people here. Like, um, but I just want to come back to this whole idea of not letting fear and shame and guilt for like how you may fail your children or how you may fail mm-hmm. at your ideal of what you mm-hmm. would, what you want to do or what you strive to do. Like mm-hmm. just don't come at it from a place of fear. Like don't let that dictate and don't let that like clamp you down and keep you closed and just like go forward with love. I, yeah. I just, I just feel yeah. like that's the, that's the key. It's just go forward yeah. with love and know that, down there deep somewhere. <laughs> yeah. You have it. Even yeah. if it's like, even if it's masked by all of the hard things that you have to deal with and all of the mundane things that you think are meaningless, mm-hmm. it's down there and mm-hmm. it, it's not leaving, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. some, somehow we just have to remember and tap into it. And yeah. well, it is biblical. Really Perfect good. love casts out all fear. And mm-hmm. I think that is drawing on the strength that God gives and the wisdom that he provides for us about really what, what are the building blocks of a whole and flourishing life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I do agree with you, Jenny, because, um, you know, I've, sometimes if you're 
talking big picture legacy, my children's children's children, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, I can, I'm sorry, mamas out there. If some of you are just in the trenches with, you know, two toddlers and a baby and you're like, stop, please just stop. (laughs) I mean, they turned this off already. So (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah. They're not even with us anymore. It's just Uh, overwhelming to even just think of teenagers to me. Like I'm not there yet. And so it's just like, just overwhelming to think of teenagers who may or may not want to talk to me and how that's like, Mm -hmm. but you have to, because I have important (laughs) things to share. And if I don't share them, no one will. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I think we have to kind of talk back and forth there's time there's seasons in particular that it's it's helpful to look at the parenting journey yeah uh, from both sides the macro and the micro and um, sometimes it's just literally like okay I am not gonna ponder you know how my this little toddler that's having a, a fit right now is someday going to be the man of the house with a wife and I can't even you know handle that. <laughs> yeah. So you don't have to handle that. That's fine. Don't do that. Um, but, uh, it, there are, there are times, I mean, I feel like right now, uh, with kids ages, you know, between seven and 13, it's like, that's helpful for me. It's like, you know, there are moments that can be missed big time, you know, because I'm not thinking legacy, you know, I think legacy helps us to be more intentional with the small things. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, vice versa, kind of just survival mode. I'm just going to be faithful with the small things. If you're just doing one step in front of the other, one little Lego on top of another little Lego, well, someday mm-hmm. you're going to have this big tower. And mm-hmm. um, so faithfulness and if, if and the small things. if they're built on each other, then you can't step on them as an individual oh. piece. <laughs> <laughs> As we all have done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. It, it can be good to look at the big picture. And also that's why I just really stick to my, my thoughts about the small things are the big things because we, we mm-hmm. do this one interaction at a time, which is, I, I would say like my guiding principle for how do I interact with my kids? Gentle is the word that I am after. Mm-hmm. Like, That does Mm. not mean permissive. That does not mean that they walk all over me. I just, I want my leadership in their lives to be one of gentleness Mm. where it is Mm. always a soft place for them to come if they have a problem or if someone else in the house especially has wronged them. And like, Mm -hmm. I just don't want it to be ever something where they're like, well, I don't want to go to mom, you know? Mm. Ladies, I so appreciate your thoughts. And I don't know if you have any last ideas you wanted to share with our listeners as we wrap this up? I was just thinking of that phrase. um, The days are exceedingly long, but the years fly by, you know? Um, I think somebody shared that with me when I was just in the trenches with tiny, tiny babies. And it was, it just stuck with me. You know, it's like, Sometimes that's not what you want to hear because you're just like, oh, please let them be old enough to put on their own shoes, please. Yeah. You know, yeah. like they're just, <laughs> you're just ready for that. But it's just, it's, it's so precious. I mean, I just feel like the older each passing year that I get, it's just like, man, I just, the brevity of life and how precious this is. And as soon as it's gone, I'm going to wish it back. And, um, I know that that can be hard to hear when you've got tiny, tiny ones, but it's still a good thing to hear in every season just to cherish what you have because they fly by. The yeah. Years fly by. Yeah. I, I was reflecting on that exact thing and I thought I'm going to set about to be intentional about making history out of the present. That I can, good. good, Jen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like, I like reflecting on my family's personal history, but getting stuck in the past, I want to, I want to make history out of the present. So, mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. I think for me, just coming into motherhood from a broken home situation and having so much pain and stuff to heal from and work through for me, it really was being in the Wilson household and seeing mm-hmm. that this is possible there. It is possible to have whole, happy, compliant, joyful, helpful children. And not that we have to 
like live up to someone's expectation and what like the perfect childhood should be. But just that I have a lot of influence in the kind of home that we have in the Mm -hmm. kind of investment I make in my children. It has made Mm-hmm. a really significant impact on me and it's probably why I have seven children song <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> being in your family's home and just being like this is pretty wonderful and wow. I think I want to give this a try uh, not that wow. I planned I did not plan to have this many children but um, <laughs> I, it was the first time that I I did think like hmm I I think that I could have some children this would be pretty great so mm, I'm going to tell my mom of that. She would love to hear I that. have quite a few things I wish I could tell your mom. So I should probably get together with her sometime. <laughs> <laughs> she would love that, especially right now in the middle of this quarantine. She is sick of being home alone. Oh, I <laughs> she bet. Wants to be with all of her kids and grandkids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. And I will catch you soon. <laughs>